providing resources for building a better life. I am Zenashe. I'm your catalyst coach and conduit to that better life. You know, we all start off as a microscopic seed and egg. I know we all look like five foot, six foot somethings, but we started off with something as small as could be in your hand, in the palm of your hand. But unlike a tree, we don't grow automatically. We actually have to work at becoming what we want to become. And so, as I said, I'm Zenashe. I am your catalyst, your coach, your conduit to that better life. Um, a catalyst sparks change. A coach draws out hidden potential and a conduit provides a connection. So today, I am connecting you with some amazing comedians. We have four comedians here. One is my co-host, the lady Kay. She is a singing comedian. I've been working with her for two years. And we're going to talk about being amused and enthused. We're going to talk about the power of comedy to help you improve your life, that Comedy and humor, a sense of humor is key in life. You know, scientists say that it reduces, it releases endorphins and it reduces stress. Stress is a killer if you didn't know that. Yes, And endorphins make you feel good. Comedy can make you feel high. <laughs> this is true. Naturally. This is true. Without any money. Just, just a great <laughs> joke. That's why, that's why I do it, a great joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but. I'm that bar. We can, we can definitely support our comics yes, by going can. to their shows, Please. by buying all their merch and things like that. But today, you're going to get to hear some comedy. You're going to get to release some of those endorphins. You're going to get to reduce that stress. And maybe you'll learn a little bit about, you know, how a sense of humor and cultivating a sense of humor can make your life better. Because, you know, one of the things they say about relationships is if you have a sense of humor, your relationship can last longer. So those of you that are, you know, have the struggles in your, you know, relationship, maybe you just gotta relax a little, joke a little more, let things go, laugh things so, off. Was that a shot of my ex, or what was that? Was that were you, were you coming at my ex with that one? Or? I don't know you well enough to come with your ex. <laughs> oh, I'm just throwing it out So um, I'm gonna introduce Lady K, and like I said, she is the last to my lyrics. We started off with laughs and lyrics, and she is definitely the laughs of this whole duo. And so she's going to tell you a little bit about herself, give you a little bit of funny, and then introduce these other comics that we have. And we're going to learn a little bit about their life journeys as comedians. And I want you guys to tell your friends if they haven't already, tune in because we're going to have some fun, and we're going to learn a little bit while we have some fun. Oh, second now. Hey, y'all. Say y'all. It's your girl, Lady K, in the building room. No, man. So, all right, y'all, all the way on Facebook. Y'all know what we're doing. Y'all know what's up. Tune in. I'm about to, I'm going to go off live in a minute, and I'm going to share the podcast. So, look. Oh, man, the music. I'm your girl, Lady K, and um, I, I've been in the comedy game for about six years now. Uh, next year in June, we'll make seven years my golden year. And so, hopefully, before the end of this year, I'll be able to shoot my, I'm going to shoot a 30 minute special. I'm going to be the first, <laughs> shoot a half hour. I'm going to talk to y'all for a whole hour. Do a half hour, a half, or half, and I ain't gonna be on TV time either. I'm gonna do 30 minutes, I'm gonna sit down. But I'm gonna have some amazing, uh, amazing comedians open for me. All the people have been a part of my career. So we're gonna make it like a two day event where um, all my people cutting up. All my people, I've come in contact with so many comedians around the world, really. Um, all in France, I've met so many people, like it's so crazy. And funny is universal. It really is universal. What you find funny is universal. It really is. And it helps. That's an endorphin. I'll tell you, laugh while you 
about it is you always think you got it and <laughs> they always tell you that your taste buds are affected right yeah and so you take a bite of food and you don't know if you have it or if this person just can't cook <laughs> you know what you're telling my heart i was like listen you gotta start using seasoning in your food this is the main thing i have COVID. you make me think i'm going with this unseasoned oh food God. you gotta do something you know, oh, but um, dating's been hard. It's always, of course, for me, dating's always hard. People are, you know, I, I just get very nervous around women. People are like, James, how does somebody like you get nervous around women? You're a comedian. You're so funny. And I'm like, listen, man, I, I could ruin a heckler's life. I could, I could send a heckler to therapy. You know what I mean? I can do my thing. But after a show's over, you know, pretty girl comes up to me and she's like, James, that was amazing. I, I've never seen anything like that. You're amazing. And I look in her eyes and I go, oh. A pigeon noise, y'all. A beautiful woman tells me I'm amazing and I make a pigeon noise. And this is a true story. This is how bad it gets. This is a true story. Is I was walking in the sprouts from my house, right? It's about 6 o'clock on a Monday evening. I'm walking in there and I see these two women out of my peripheral vision. You know, I'm good. You're looking. I grab my card. I turn around. I see them head on. One of them's wearing like a red flannel shirt and jeans. Uh, the other one's wearing like a purple mini dress. Uh, they're very attractive and they're identical. And so before I can even like think, I just automatically go, oh, shh, you're twins. The one in the red flannel shirt looks me in my eye, takes a step towards me, 
reaches out her hands and starts tickling me. <laughs> she starts tickling me. Yeah, say, what, so what would you do if an attractive stranger started tickling you in the middle of a grocery store? Uh, I would jump back. I'm not expecting anybody to put their hands on me, like, especially now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, so, yeah. And she starts going, she's like, what are you, Sherlock Holmes? Of course we're twins, you idiot. Uh. All right, now, Julius, you know, I know you're smooth with ladies. What would you do if an attractive woman started tickling you? I know I'm smooth with him, man. I, I, I know you're a little bit. Number one, the hat lets everybody know you're smooth. Yeah, yeah. We know each other a little bit. We know each other a little bit. What, what would you do? What would you do when a tractor woman started tickling you? I'm a grocery store. <sighs> That's a tough one, man. I probably just wonder what the hell is wrong with it. I'll probably think I'm on some type of prank TV show or you something. Like, where the camera's at? Somebody yeah. messing with me right what, now. What about you, DK? What would you do if a tractor woman started tickling you? I must I know how from somewhere. What's it what? I must I know how from somewhere. No, we're from yeah. <laughs> Anyway, most of my so most people have told me oh, you know, since this happened, they've been like they've been like, James, you should have made your move, man. Like I said, I did not. I just grabbed my cart and walked into the grocery store. So I go over to the deli counter and I'm like ordering my stuff. And she comes up behind me and she goes, You're just gonna eat all that ham, aren't you, ham boy? You're gonna get every slice of ham in this place. Still, I don't make my move. I go over to the produce. I'm looking at apples, she's like, what are you looking at those apples so closely for? She goes, just get them, they're all the same. Uh, then after that, after her third attempt, that was me giving her nothing back, not any response, she and her sister walked out of the grocery store, never to be seen again. Now, oh here's God. the thing, now here's the thing, here's the thing, is that after that happened, I told a bunch of friends that story, you know? And uh, they were all like, man, James, you really screwed that up. That girl could have been your soulmate. But that's not how I, that's not how I view it. That's not how I view it. Because what would happen, right? I would have gotten her phone number. We would have started texting. Maybe we went on some dates. really start to like each other. Maybe it gets real serious. And then one night, she comes home. And I'm sitting in there with the lights off. And she says, James, why are the lights off? You startled me. I go, somebody saw you today. She goes, what's that mean? I said, someone saw you today at Kroger. You were tickling another man. <laughs> Who have you been tickling at grocery stores behind my back, huh? Where have you been tickling these other men at? You've been tickling other men at H-E-B? You've been tickling other men at Whole Foods? Don't you tell me you've been tickling other men at Randall's. That's the only thing that can make this worse is if you were tickling other men at Randall's. Listen, babe, whenever we met, I know you've tickled other men at other grocery stores before, but I thought I was going to be the last man you tickled in a grocery store. This must be you and me tickling each other at grocery stores for the rest of the time. And so then I went to the only place you can meet a normal person in the year 2020, back to Tinder. You know, that's, how, that's where you gotta go. That's where you gotta that's go. That's what they normal. That's, well, yeah, well, I, you oh, know, they God. can't reach to the screen and tickle you, you know? No, they're not normal. You're right, you're right. They're not normal. I saw a woman on there once, and uh, she looked normal enough in her picture, but then in the About Me, it's, she said, I'm recently widowed. My husband died under very suspicious circumstances. And then she said, Love drinking with my girls, watching movies, and my Texas football. Go JJ Watt. Now, here's the thing, y'all is that the part of my brain that's invested in self-preservation was like, swipe her left. But the part of my brain that remembers how good I was at solving Scooby-Doo mysteries when I was a kid was like, swipe her right and solve the mystery of her dead husband. You know? And so, she didn't swipe me back. I'm like, what, I'm not good looking enough for you to kill? Like, what, what's better than that? Well, um, I think one of the craziest oh things God. I ever saw on there, this is recent, is I saw a girl on there, and, uh, and her about me, she says, she said, uh, hey, guys, I know that my pictures look kind of weird. Um, she goes, I grew up Amish. Uh, I was raised you know, in an Amish household. But then whenever I grew up, uh, I decided I didn't want to live that lifestyle. Uh, it just didn't go far enough for me. Uh, I'm what you call a primitive lifer. 
I live in a cave. Uh, I only eat food that I gather or hunt myself. Uh, only clothes I wear are from the skins of animals that I've killed. Uh, I'm just borrowing this phone to find a new guy. He was my ex-boyfriend. He joined the Mars mission, one extreme to the other. Uh, and, you know, she goes, and, and so I'm just trying to meet a new guy. She goes, who wants to be my cave base? Swipe, swipe, swipe. Now, I want to ask everybody again, so who here would be down? Who would be here would be down to be somebody's cave bay? Lady K, would you be someone's cave bay? Okay. No. Not, no. DK, would you be someone? No. All right. No. All right. All right. Okay. Wait, but here's the thing, y'all. I thought similar to you, but here's the thing. Then I started thinking about how much money I've spent over the years on dates and presents. And you know what I mean? Like, so, you know, you're sitting there. Yeah. I mean, you're sitting there going, going, oh, I never go live in a cave with somebody. But then you think about when they bring you that bill at True Lux on her birthday dinner, and you're just like, this is how Why do you have to get two desserts? It's your birthday? Two bottles? What? I was like, listen, I can hunt down, uh, you know, a mule deer with a spear. You know, so I don't have to do that ever again. But here's the problem, you know. Here's the thing about being, about being with someone who lives in a cave, you know, is that okay. we'd be living out. <laughs> we'd be living out, you know doing our thing, and I'd, I'd be, you know, eating a pronghorn haunch that, that she caught, you know, I'm sitting there eating it, and my, and I'd say, Thunka, girl, I know that we're living out here away from everybody else. There's virtually no chance that you or I are going to contract coronavirus. But baby, you've got to learn how to season this stuff. You've got to learn a way to season this. I can't be eating this raw. So you're like this. You've got to find a way to season this stuff. Oh, my God. And that's me. Yo. <laughs> that's me and my caveman. That's me and my caveman. After this over, she doesn't know that I'm here, y'all. I'm not allowed to be on podcasts. But, uh, oh, man. Yeah, I got to take my, my clothes oh, off. God. Maybe I'll do that before I leave. And I got to get back to my caveman. Oh, my God. Oh, okay, my God. so I thought that I had some. Oh, dude. Some no. stories about <laughs> online dating. You have trumped my online dating stories by like. I want to hear your stories, then. Maybe not right now, but I want to hear your stories. Oh my god! I love online dating oh stories. Oh my god! I'm never going on Tinder. I, I don't even know who's going to come up with something. Wow, that is. Yeah, I'd rather be on Tinder than play Candy Crush. You know. So. Oh no, I play Candy Crush. Look at that! Look at that! Look at that! Look it's still a game, though, by the way. Tinder is still as very much as much a game as Candy Crush is. That's what I'm saying. But with Tinder, you can actually meet someone at least a chance. You can meet someone. Yeah, that's true. And it then might be a yes, you know what I'm saying? Oh, but Candy Crush, it's a waste of time. I don't get nothing. I don't mean nothing. I nobody give me nothing. I just play, play, play. Yeah, that's a good point. You gotta add, you gotta add yourself to a team and start <laughs> will, the chat. Another, another thing, though, about, about weird women I've seen on there, there's a girl and... Uh, similar to the woman who murdered her husband. Uh, she looked normal enough. Uh, I clicked on her about me and she said, uh, my ex shot me five times. I'm in a oh, wheelchair God. right now. Uh, and then uh, and she's like, hey, you know, if anyone wants to meet up or whatever. And, you know, I take domestic violence very serious and that's a very big thing. That said, baby, like, if someone just shot you five times, maybe meeting strangers on the internet isn't for you right now. Right. Let's maybe just chill. Let's oh, take some steps back. Let's love like us. Why are we trying to meet somebody new while you were in the wheelchair recovering from being shot five times by a crazy man? Oh, maybe meet somebody at church or maybe not. I don't know. But strangers on the internet, I think, is a very bad yeah, idea for you right now, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's not, let's not do that again. Come on. That, that is wild. That oh is my wild. God. 
crazy just generally yeah. and then the, and then the internet's made crazy men even crazier yeah because back in the day crazy men just like hung out in their basements but now crazy mm. men have access to the internet so no it's, it's mostly um i've had a couple of guys basically proposition me like they were gigolos uh-huh. and i laugh because i'm like uh you do realize that women can get <laughs> much easier than you can right, you know right. so why would you even be on here thinking anyone's going to pay for this. Oh, so they must have <laughs> some no. spectacular stuff. Or think they do. That's more of like a <laughs> Yeah, you know, buddy. You know how some, some folks think they just got that, 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 you know, like, you know, I know someone. <laughs> I think they got the blue magic. Is that what you're talking about? The blue magic? Huh? You're talking about the blue magic? Sometimes it comes with some type of ignorance, too. Like, you, you don't, sometimes, you know who you, 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 you dealt with. Yeah, so you think all women are like mm-hmm. this. I'm going to talk, you know, so it all depends. I'll bring in somebody's, uh, you know, it depends, too. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. I hear Absolutely. you. I wanted to ask you kind of about your comedy journey. Yeah. And, and also, you said that you do some improv. For so sure. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, my journey is pretty interesting because uh, I grew up in a really small town. Uh, and, you know, my parents are uh, very nice people. They're very funny. My parents are very, very funny. But my parents are a little on the shy side. So, you know, my parents, when we talk about it, they're like, wow, that is something I would never, ever do. <laughs> they're, like, they're, like, they're like, good on you. Yeah, they're like, that's definitely something we have to do. And, uh, yeah, so I, I wanted to do it ever since I was a kid. Like, when I, I watch, you know, my heroes on TV, and I was like, oh, whenever I get big, as soon as I get out of this small town, and, you know, if old enough to get into a club, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to try it. And uh, my journey was kind of interesting because uh, my first uh, my first one, you know, because I, I, I walked into the club kind of anticipating that it was going to, you know, not I mean, not go so well. I was yeah. like, you know, there's one of those things in life, it's going to take a while to get good at. But my first one went great, and then my second one went great, and then my third one went great. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm the next Jerry Seinfeld, baby. I'm 23 yeah. years old. I'm, I'm killing it every show. And then my fourth one was a hard bomb. My fourth one was like crickets, and I was like, I was like, oh, uh, it's gonna take a while to get good at this. I'm not yeah. quite <laughs> the natural that I thought I was, and so you know, um, but and that's and, and I've learned that through the years of doing this, and meeting other people who are new, is that um, you know anyone who is pretty funny, that anyone that maybe has a, 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 a ability to do this, is they come up with three minutes of funny ideas in their life. It's coming up with that next three that kind of separates the people who really should be doing this from the people that that shouldn't. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Um, so you know, I've been doing it for quite some time and gotten you know good at it. And uh, about Im- improvisation is is definitely something that I do a lot of and I and I lean on it a lot because um, it's something that I think is really something very special for the audience. You know, and um, I don't do what you see a lot of comics do where they say things like, oh, you know, where are you from? You know, what uh, what um. What you know? How long have you been married? What do you do for a living? That sort of yeah, that that kind of typical crowd work is not what I'm into because um, because it, it it's very it it you it's almost scripted, particularly if you talk about people's physical appearances. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and where this idea really came from is I was watching a famous comedian whose uh, name I won't say. I was doing uh, I was watching the YouTube video of him and he was talking about people's appearances and it was all just so typical. Like it was all it's almost scripted, you know. And I said to myself, what if I asked people questions like. Who in here has ever traveled somewhere very far and seen something very strange? Who here has ever been awkwardly hit on? Who here has ever um, 
Who here has ever, who's here has ever worked in a really weird place? Who's ever had a very bizarre neighbor? And uh, the audience tells me about it, and then I start doing jokes off of it. And yeah, well, and it, and, and it, what I find is that, you know, to use a baseball analogy after our beloved Astros not make the World Series last night, is that, uh, DK, why do you look down on those Astros, man? You're like, shh, yeah. man, you're back. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure if the Astros are the Texans, who's worse? But <laughs> 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 oh, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs>
and it's that one experience that people be like, remember we were at that show? And this happened, and everybody else is left out that wasn't there. Yeah. Because you can't recreate it. You can't recreate yeah, it. But it's we just that. Shows, like, yeah, we had shows. We had some shows. We had some shows. But that, it, and it, it bonds people together sure. because they have that shared memory yeah. of this very unique um, experience that only happened because that particular group of people were in the room. And, and that's that's a really cool experience. And it also bonds like the performers together because they have not just the audience, but they have that shared experience oh, of yeah. also feeling validated yeah. and valued. You know, like like I was a I had the freedom sure. to to on this stage. I had the freedom to go with the audience and 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 you know, because some places you don't have that kind of freedom. They want you, this is what you can say, this is what you can't say, you know, and you're very limited we actually had to turn down a couple of shows because they were like you can't talk about race you can't talk about politics you can't talk about <laughs> sex and we're like what, what what you want us to talk about <laughs> this is live we're not talking about radio so i know you wanted to say something else oh sure um i was just going to say about that is i uh, it is yeah for my shows particularly because uh you know I, the people are, are getting the ideas from them and it's their experience, but then for me as a comedian, I turn around and turn it into something, and I go off on tangents based off of it. And so, yeah, I would, I would just totally agree with you. So it wasn't really a, a comment worth interrupting everything for, but yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, um, what do you think comedy does for people? What have you seen it do? How do you think it helps them? Oh, absolutely. So um, when I lived in Korea. Uh, I lived in South Korea for three years. Korea. Korea. That's what, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been? I haven't been there, though. Oh, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I, I always have a lot of fun over there. I became a much better comic over there because um, I was living in Austin. Like, Austin, I, is, I didn't start in Austin, but that's kind of where I really got a lot more going. And, you know, Austin is like, you know, open mic. Everyone there is a comic. You know, you get your three minutes, and if you go a second over, they turn your mic off and, you know, put you off stage. And, but that went over there. And not only was it a room full of non-comics, they were like, you want to do 15? I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I can do, do 15. And so um, I, over there, um, a woman came up to me, and I had never met her. And she told me that she you know, was getting ready to go home, that her year in Korea was up, but that um, she uh, had a really, really bad experience with homesickness. And she really didn't like it. She didn't really like being in Korea. But that uh, me and some of the other people, our, our comedy was what kind of helped her get through and like made her not feel so homesick. And I'm sitting there. And she's like, yeah, you know, going to the comedy shows every month was like one of the best parts of being over here. I was like, man, I wouldn't even say that. And I was in the comedy show. I wouldn't even say. I was like, this is one of the best things for you? Really? It's like, my jokes? Go, my jokes are one of the best things that you have here? You just never know. Yeah. Well, I, was like, I was like, hey, hold on. Did you go to Did you go to the Imperial Palace? Man, the Imperial Palace is better than like any of my jokes. Are you serious? I mean, that thing's thousands of years old. You just never know when you're up there saying whatever you're saying. It's only one person that that, yeah. that that would just stick with them forever. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, I, yeah, and I think that one thing that is really true is that everyone's going through something. Yeah. And so, you know, and everyone takes things differently. So for me, I loved being over there. I loved uh, teaching those kids English. It was really fun. Um, and, you know, I wasn't all that homesick. I love, I love all my back home people. They're going to be watching this and they're going to start commenting on this thing going, oh, you were homesick, James? You didn't miss me? No, I mean, I missed everybody, but I was just okay with it. But uh, she she apparently was a little more homesick. And so, yeah, it was nice to give, give her that little piece of money. Well, you know, 
I know that comedy for me, the one of the reasons why the show is called Laughs and Lyrics is because to me, comedy is like the best stress relief. It is, it is when you start to laugh, you forget your problems for a little while and everything seems manageable. Sure. Mm -hmm. Because if you can laugh, it feels like you can get through whatever Absolutely. you're going oh, yeah. through. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and what was really bugging you before you were mm -hmm. laughing, it just doesn't seem as bad. Yeah. And for me, I always saw comedy as well as poetry and music as like almost a therapy. Yeah. You know, and, and it it helped me so much. I was like, I need to create a platform where people can come and get all these things at once. Mm -hmm. And you can hit all these different avenues of making people feel better. I would always say the first rule of the night is leave the outside outside. Please. Because we're in here to enjoy ourselves. We're in here to relax. We're in here to refresh ourselves. So so I'm going to go back to Kay and she's going to introduce another one of our comics. Nice. See, I like that you said that because we've been real leave the outside outside. Even before we get on the mic to introduce the rest of the people who are coming up after us, we have to really, really set the mood by making sure that our mood is right. So, like, we, we'll literally have a moment outside where we just <laughs> shaking ourselves off and getting our jitters, giving rid of our jitters. And, but, like, we really leave the outside outside. And because of that, we've never had a show where we had any kind of drama. Like, not one time we had a fight, nobody shooting up in anywhere. And they were literally, we were literally doors down from a club. They doing the most that. You remember flesh? I mean, every doggone weekend, y'all got y'all got the police down here again. You y'all ain't went to jail. You ain't arrested everybody. HPD. <laughs> you ain't took everybody to jail yet. You you ain't did it yet. Okay, all right. Hey, we that, club, like, hey, that, that club didn't have to be fat boys, did it? Hey, listen. Whenever we used to do those fat boys nights, well, the thing about fat boys is every show there'd be a fight, and then one night the kitchen staff, there's a commotion in the kitchen, and we look back in there, and the kitchen staff is thrown down, not just like two of them, like Everybody. all the kitchen staff was thrown down. And we're sitting there going, is that why my burger taking so long? Because y'all in there beefing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and like the whole kitchen staff went outside to go fight in the parking lot. I was like, uh, I, don't I was like, man, it's going to be a while on those wings, man. Is that where I met you at, Fat Boy? I don't think I ever saw you at Fat Boys. We met, we met at that audition thing where I think they didn't like, I think you, you won. You, you won, you beat me, but I don't even think they ever took you on the tour. Like, so they didn't ever give you oh, the prize. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's where I, that's, I met you. I didn't know you, what did you ever do? I didn't know you did Fat Boys. I did Fat Boys. Who's, yeah. who's hosting? Um, um, Blue the Comic. I was really? about to say Blue the Comic. Back that's right, because Blue is yeah. my good friend, and I, I, I yeah. would, uh, oh, you did Fat Boys too? I have. Oh. I have indeed. Oh my gosh. Why well, do I get there late? So maybe I'm just. And then one time Ben Jackson. One time Ben Jackson. Who was Ben Jackson? Yeah, Ben I know Ben hosted it for a while. Was, I didn't either. Are you doing that now? No. Oh, no, no. Bad Boys is long. Oh, my God. I thought they closed on it. So the FBI shut them down. They needed a mediation. Yeah, Bad Boys had a lot. One funny thing about Bad Boys, right, is that I was the only white person who would go there and perform and stuff. And so, you know, I was buddies with Blue and everybody. So they'd always make jokes about me being the owner. And then one night, an uh, uh, audience member comes to me and goes, man, that is so cool that you own this place and you also perform here. And I go, I'm not the owner. <laughs> he goes, really? I'm not the owner of that Asian guy. No, I just perform here. He goes, they always say, I go, it's a joke. They're joking around. He goes, oh, man, I just thought you were the owner. He goes, I was getting ready to come here and compliment you on the Blue Hawaiians. Oh. Well, that is, by all means, for the green. Yeah, to be the owner of the white guy. Right? All right, all right. So who are we going to go next? Who are we going to go next? I don't remember. I don't know. 
No matter. All right, I'm gonna eat it, eat it, mind it, mo, y'all. I'm gonna. <laughs> you wanna come in? Okay, well let me get you. Okay, I gotta get. I didn't get to do my introduction for Mr. Dunn, but I, cause I ain't know what to say necessarily. Besides the fact that you literally kept me laughing the entire time, you're hilarious. All right, so this guy met me back when I was doing 2K comedy, back when we was getting gypped by lines. <laughs> But we loved the craft so much that, that we kept going because we believed in ourselves and we believed in our purpose. We believed in what we were doing as far as making people laugh and enjoying people. So, um, my, I, man, the first time I seen him, I was literally in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, dang, I don't even remember the name of this freaking club, but I was there for Jody now, again. I was in the middle of nowhere somewhere off the backside of this and that. It was retarded. It was ridiculous. And uh, he got up there and he was like the funniest person on that I night. I talking about Beach Night. Yes, Beach Night. Oh, yes, that's what we met. And everybody was kind of bombing. And I'm just like, I was bored out of my mind. I went up there. I was good. I did my thing. But because I wasn't in the mood, I didn't feel like I was great. And then here comes DK. <laughs> I had never heard him before. So I'm like, okay, all right. We got to go get all right, and he got there in the first few minutes. I said, "What is he saying?" Because he was like, "I'm talking to me." I was like, "What is he talking about?" And then he got to this joke about MF, and I was hooked from there. I followed him out to the parking lot to his car and said, "You, you're funny." He stopped his car. He's like, "What?" I said, "You're funny." And we stood there in the middle, in the middle of the parking lot, almost cutting people out. Go around us. Go around, we talking. <laughs> they didn't even move the car, nothing. So they had talked for like a good 10, 15 minutes while people have to go around and leave the parking lot. It was hilarious. So, you know, we ain't in the audience, but you know, we can clap. We can make a little noise like, woo woo, for my boy DK. Birthday. 
And yeah, it was all poets. And yeah. And then you came up and you started talking about West Belford. Okay. How you could be on West Belford. All that. And then, yeah, the, the, the MF that, that joke. And then you started talking about. Um, you didn't know about speed the limit. speed limit. Oh my god! Okay, so you got to You got to do the speed limit. That's why it's good. We have we have a hold back in. If that was our last live show, I would have been. You know what I'm saying? But I'm glad you brought that up. The reason I said that about that West Belfort is first time I came here in the United States. You know, in Africa, I didn't have a car. My dad had a car, but we didn't, you know. And we're not used to, like, the roads, the freeways and everything. Mm -hmm. So I came here for the first time. I had a car for the first time. So I was excited, you know. So I got on 288 freeway. I got on 288. I was going about 125 miles per hour, right? Because I thought 288 was the speed limit. <laughs> I was speeding, going so fast, you know, like, so police officer. Yeah. Right there, pulled me over. He said, man, you crazy? You're going 125 miles on a 60. I'm like, no, officer, it says 288. I'm just managing at 125, right? <laughs> so, officer, he was like, he, said, man, he looked at me, he said, man, hey, you know, uh, next freeway. He said, where are you from? By the way, I said, I'm from Nigeria. I just came. He said, man, now, you know, the next freeway is 610, right? I said, man, that must be beautiful evidence or something. <laughs> I told him, I said, it is no way you're going to find me on 610, officer. I promised him. So after that incident, I just stay on 45 or I start to feed them, man. That's it. <laughs> I don't care where I'm going. I could be going to Dallas, Texas. I'm taking the feeder all the way, bro. <laughs> or I take West Belfort. That's what I, you know. West Belfort. West Belfort saved my life in the United States, man. West Belfort is the only street you can go from Highway 6 to Dallas, bro. Just all the way. I swear, man. West Belfort is so long. One time I was texting and driving just on West Belfort, right? Looked up, I saw myself all the way in Nigeria. That's <laughs> <laughs> therefore took me all the way in my village, bro. That's a good shit. You know, so. It's a magical road, bro. It's a magical road. <laughs> I can't look. When I get out of here, I'm going, like, my, my, my phone died right now. See, my phone is dead. So I don't, I don't need no GPS. Get right there, get on GP, uh, West Belfort, all the way from the north side to the southwest. Anywhere you want to go, man. Huh? Anywhere you want to go. Yeah. And then you, you said this joke about how your life and in, in home was different and like from here and you were contrasting like uh, what life was like in your village. You were talking about like jail, you know. And... Yeah, that's the thing. Because, uh, you know, I grew up in a village. Yeah, uh, my dad, my, my mom, we they kind of struggled, you know. We were poor. We we ate. That's all you know. We ate. <laughs> like, we ate. That's as that's as good as it's gonna get. But we don't have that nice house. And uh, my dad had like a nineteen nineteen sixty something Volvo. I was like thirty five years old, still driving, three tires, still going. <laughs> my dad had six kids, right? And then all six of us used to lay in one bed, one king size bed, right? Just lay sideways, you know. And we ate pretty good. We had running water once in a while. It wasn't steady like here, you know. Electricity, just, you know, once a week, once a month when you get, you know. So when I came here for the first time, I was at the airport, right? My paperwork was, wasn't right, so they took me to jail for the meantime. So right when I got to jail, the first thing they did was they fed us real good, you know. I fed us, the cornbread was nice. <laughs> and then they gave me my own space. I had my own space and everything, right? They gave me a blanket, bro. Man, they gave me a mattress and everything. They had running water in jail, you know. 
They had uh, uh, electricity was on, like AC and everything, bro. Man, they had cable, man. They had a flat screen TV. They had 48 inch TV cable, bro. Chilling. I said, man, this is paradise, guys. I called my mama. I said, mama, I'm in America. Don't worry about me. I made it. All the way up. Right. I made it all the way up, man. I'm eating three times a day. I got my own man. You don't understand, man. Privacy, baby. <laughs> the first time I have privacy. <laughs> but yeah, that's it, man. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But uh, it, it's just it's quite an experience. On the real though, it's quite an experience because just the whole transition of uh, growing up in uh in Nigeria and a village like that. I come in here. The language barrier, of course, was totally different. You know, like I said, uh, our Americans respond to things like, especially Black Americans, so some different lines, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's good. That is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, when I listened to you, I was like, wow, uh, that is so funny. And just your experiences, things that we take for granted here, and like that that take on jail just kind of blew my mind i was like wow you know and so so humor is everywhere in the world so what do you think is like the power of humor like what makes laughing and a sense of humor like so important well it's either you're happy or you're sad mm -hmm. so so happiness comes with laughter and if you're sad, you're, you're, you're on the other side of the story, what we're talking about. So I think uh, a comedy, laughter kind of comes with, it has perseverance in it. It really does have the perseverance you don't see. Personally, what I've gone through, uh, coming all the way from home, I mean, I was a kid, I was like nine years old, and I knew I wanted to do comedy because at the guys ahead of me, I used to listen, and I really loved just them making us laugh. You know, mm. when I grew up in Nigeria, it was rough. It was really rough then. But so these guys, Nigerians are really good with entertainment, especially the ones back home, because there's just so much things to talk about. I mean, we talk about the police officers, what they do. It's just ridiculously funny, right? Politicians, just our way of living is just really funny. So I looked up to most of those comedians growing up. So I used to do this at eight years old or nine years old when I was in a private school. I was supposed to be studying when I done, so I go inside the bush. I go inside the bush, I'll be making these audio tapes, audio comedies just for my classmates so I can play for them doing breaks, right? So I'll be in the bush and I take it up in the little cassette, you know, and I play for them. They're all laughing, laughing. I'm like, damn, they're laughing. Making good grades, but I'm flocking at the end of the semester, you know? Hmm. I'm flocking, but I, I just, I made it through the school, but I kind of like that, having that comedy in me. And I see even up to now, I've been in America, and I came here uh, by myself. I feel I have my uncles, but at the end of the day, uncles are different. You, you're on your own, you know? So mm -hmm. the things that I went through, being a comedian, I actually had to laugh at the most of the things. Kind of kept, you know, like I said, comedy comes with perseverance, laughter, and everything. I remember uh, I was driving a car one time. It was a raggedy car, right? It was a bad mm -hmm. car. The car was smoking big time, right? Smoking so bad, I used to stop three times to put water in the thing so I can make it to work, right? Then she'd be out there smoking, like, smoking. And I bet everybody looking at me like probably laughing. But in my mind, I'm like, this shit is ridiculous. I'm like, nigga, what the fuck are you doing? Like, nigga, get your shit together, you know, like, huh? <laughs> okay, you can't say nigga. But, you know, it's just the comedy part. It allows me to talk to myself through that talk time and just kind of be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, like, get your shit together, all right? <laughs> like, bro, get, all right, you gonna get your shit together? Yes, I will. 
I totally agree with you. I think that it is, I think some of the gift that comedians have is like, it doesn't matter if you get your heart broken, if you man, get fired, whatever really. it is, you know, as we just start cutting up. Because on the car thing, man, is uh, I had a car, it was my dad's car. Man, this thing was a piece of junk. It was really, really messed up car. And it got hit in a couple of times, you know. Like, actually, at the time, I was trying to do a comedy show at work because I had a crush on a girl in the in another department. And I was like, you know, you always got to, like, play to your strength, right? Because, you know, like, you know, if you if you got, you know, a nice body, you know, you find an excuse to take your shirt off, you know. If you drive a nice car, you pull next to it a light. But, you know, I'm chubby and my car looks like it's bitten by a T-Rex, you know. So, I mean, I was trying to, you know, show off what I had, you know. But um, but this car, someone had, had hit me, and then uh, I, had, I had to use bungee cords to hold it down. And then whenever I would, like, stop downtown, people would walk by and pop my bungee cords, man, like it was a rock trap or something. And I was like, man, we're popping my cords, man. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I was really embarrassed, just like you. But yeah. I was like, hey, you just got to keep living, man. Yeah, absolutely. And then once, once you go through that, and then that is, it comes with the success of everything that's part of it. And if you don't, you get stuck. I mean, kind of comedians, I think we easy, you can easily get depressed, too. Mm. Most most comedians are depressed. So it's from, so, from what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? And that's how some of them find their way to doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the same thing with poets, you know, I think that people who have to find art, life without art doesn't work for them. They don't know how to cope with their emotions. They don't know how to cope without with stress. They have to find comedy, yeah. poetry, music. That's what helps them make sense of the world. Like, cause there are times for me, I literally have to download my brain. I have to put it down because... Too much happens up here. You know, too much happens up here. And and I start getting lost in my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then when I download my brain and I write it all down, then I can look at it and say, okay, okay, okay. Now it makes sense to me. Because yeah. at first it's like, ooh. And, and, and I see why, you know? I see how sometimes things happen. I see people take actions. Like I see people go shoot up their girlfriend and their kids and their babies. Mm -hmm. It has to do with something where you actually need to write some things down, get it off your mind. You know what I mean? Mm. Really, uh, since the quarantine, I'm going to say this and I'm going to stop. That's mental health. Before, uh, yeah. mental health, mm -hmm. right there. Before the quarantine hit, somebody need to address that really because it's, why, why do people do this? But, yeah. But anyway, so a quarantine, right? And we couldn't do comedy no more, right? I was working. Mm -hmm. I'm a nurse. I, I, I go work. I come home. Like you said, in my mind, if I don't do nothing else, I'm losing it, right? Losing it. So I started doing this song. Somebody pissed me off, I write something about it, then I write it. Right. My girlfriend make me mad real quick. I'm not gonna pick up instead of picking up the phone, yelling at her, I write it. I write something. And you've been great. Go ahead. <laughs> it's been great. So we got we have music, we have improvisation, we have poetry, we have comedy, we have all of those things that help people cope. And I'm gonna tell you, even as a poet, comedy is a great addition because there are times when I hit little obstacles and I'm saying to myself, this is unexpected. Mm -hmm. I didn't see this coming. And it knocks me off my course. Like one time talking about online dating, I went on an online date. I got catfished. Mm -hmm. Damn. And it, it threw me off. I called her in the parking lot of Chili's <laughs> telling her, I just got catfished, Kate. And she said, was he fine online? I said, yeah, girl. And she was like, looked at his picture. He was sexy and fine. Got excited to meet him. 
And then I kept going with it. I created a poem out of it. So sometimes comedy and poetry can work together and, and you can find a way to take, you know, with music or find a way with whatever art to kind of put it together and, and make sense of it. Because I was a little traumatized until we she just, made me laugh about that situation. We were just talking about Poet Pimp. You said comedy and... and right, right, <laughs> right. Poetry so, and comedy. Mm -hmm. He does yeah. it. He does Poet Pimp and comedy. And I like the way he does it when he just do a, a set of poet and he just do comedy. He, he just... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Mr. Reverse. You just gotta love his energy, though. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it really is. is yeah. You know, it, that's what I noticed with him, his energy. Yeah. You know, I just, I love the arts. And and you were talking about mental health. So we're going, I'm going to have Kay introduce you next because the thing about Zenergy, the whole purpose, the reason why I started Zenergy is because of quarantine. It's because I found myself having to go inside. I found myself having to think about what do I have control over? I don't have control over job situation. Mm -hmm. Don't have control over politics. Don't have control over COVID. But I do have control over this if yeah. I'm using it the right way. Mm -hmm. And I have to tap into those things that help me to use this and use this the right way. Because if you don't, this can run away with you. Yeah. Your mind can go places, dark places. You got to be a soul controller. Right. So so I, I said to myself, okay, I'm not doing so well. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to watch the news too much. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to get worried too much. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to feel isolated too much. I'm, I'm doing too much in a bad way. I need to redirect. Mm -hmm. I need to redirect my energy. And I need to go and find those things that can help me that I can control. You know, so it was about an urge for more peace, an urge for more centeredness. And then I was like, what do I actually have control of? And I went back to my childhood, what was the first thing I learned was the ABCs. And then I started saying, attitude, I can, I can control my attitude. I can control, you know, my awareness of things. I can, you know, I started listing all these A words, you know, and then I went to the B's and the C's and the D's. And, oh, wow, and, and I made a whole alphabet. And so we're going through the alphabet right now. We're, we're on amusement right now. The power of just Laughing at stuff, mm -hmm. looking at the craziness in life, and instead of crying, choosing to laugh. I was gonna say, how did you have all that time? But then I remember quarantine. Just yeah. go through the whole alphabet. Well, I, I went through all the different <laughs> things that, like, these were just things that are, and I didn't do it all in one day. Oh yeah, I was just joking around. Yeah, that. I know, I know. But I just, I started writing these things down, and I was like, you know what? This is my toolbox. If I work on my attitude a little bit, if I work on my sense of humor a little bit, if I work on this, if I work on that. Eventually, I put it all together, and my life is much better yep. because I can control these things. I can, I can either choose, yep. you know, to laugh or cry about something. I can That's choose it. to go to YouTube I and find a video. I can choose to tune into one of these guys, you know, or go to their shows when they have That's shows. Right. I have choice, and so it just kind of made me say, okay, I do have some power over my mental health and over my attitude and my feelings. Because of what I put in, you know, I can control what I'm putting in, what I'm, you know, exposing myself to. And then I was like, if I need it, other people need it. That's right. And I can bring these people together who can talk about 
you know, how they're using these different things, how they're moving through life, how they're coping with all this craziness around us and actually not getting swallowed up in it, not getting dragged down by it, but rising above it, you know? And, and, and you know, I always feel like people are our greatest wealth. Because when I look at you, I can see myself. When I look at you, I can see myself. When I can, I can be inspired by people that look just like me, people who have similar experiences as me, or people who have different experiences than me, and be like, I can learn from you because you come from a different place, but we still all human. Yep, at the end of the day. We're still all human. We're still all living in this U.S. of A. with these situations that we deal with, and so we all have to learn how to cope, you know? And so, I want to go back to Kay, and you're going to introduce our final guest today. Yes, and this is quite an honor because a lot of the things that I've learned about life in general, and a lot of the things that I use even talking to other people and encouraging other people, I learned from Julius. Because when I am at my absolute worst out of nowhere, he'll call me. What's up, man? Hey! And we'll just chop it up. And it doesn't matter what I tell him going on. At the end of the day, it's unavoidable. What are you worried about it for? You can't avoid suffering. It's what this it's life. It's a part of life. And after he told me that, I began to implement that in my life. When people would pass away, when 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 things would go wrong, when money would not be there that I need, all those different things, I would put it all up to you know what? It's unavoidable, whatever. Throw it in the trash. All right, so let me get on this mic. Let me make people laugh because it's unavoidable. Suffering is going to be everywhere. Let me not add to the match of, 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 of suffering. Let me let me change the game. Let me change the game for myself first because I'm in control. I'm in control of what I got going on. I can either choose to be here and be, oh, man, it's hardly any gas in my car. And, oh, um, oh my love life is in the dumps and blah, 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 blah. Or I can choose to be like, you know what? I'm single. I ain't no gas in the car, so that means I'm not going to drive over here. There's no nonsense. I'm going to the house. I ain't going to talk to Daquan for two days. Okay, cool. My, fine. My phone is off. Bet I ain't got to bother with nobody. It's unavoidable. So what you choose to do with your life, what your decisions are in life, that's major on you at the end of the day. Like, oh, my God, he broke my self-esteem. How? <laughs> he ruined how you think about yourself. It's really? called self-esteem. 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 self and in. And, and I mean, no truer statement has been said. That's true. No truer statement has ever been said than that. It's your self, your self-esteem. How you lift yourself up. How somebody else going to tell you how to lift you up? Mm-hmm. How? I get called fat every day. I don't care. I don't care. I'm fat. You're ugly. What, what's up? What? Yes. It has never stopped me. It has never stopped me from doing anything I want to accomplish. Me, not, not, nothing. Nothing. It hasn't stopped me from doing much of nothing. I model. I act. I, 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 I created my own avenues. A word is mightier than a sword. True. Words are very powerful. Whether you tell it to yourself or somebody tells it to you. That's why I'm very careful yeah. who I tell my plan. Yeah, who I tell when I finish my project, who I tell it to. Oh, no, 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 you can't. Yeah, so yeah, we are walking around here with some mm-hmm. like this. You'd be surprised though, how some folks let other people's word affect you. Oh, it, it can break you down if you listen to it, you know. Uh, but like she was saying er- earlier, too, uh, it's basically you that control everything. That's right. Basically. Um, and when you're looking at mental health, like we were talking about earlier, um, we're comprised of three, meaning what we feel, what we think and what we do, our actions. So, you know, out of those 
out of those three, two of them we uh we have control of, or we don't have control of. You know, you can't control how you feel. If you feel like crap, you feel like crap. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't control your thoughts. You're gonna have dreams. You're gonna have you know thoughts that pop up in your head. You can't control those also. But you can't control what you do. But what happens most of the times is, if you feel like crap, you're having crappy thoughts. You're most likely your action, unless you learn how to separate those. And that's what a lot of times we do. We react out of out of emotion, mm -hmm. and we'll say something or we'll do something that you can't take back. Because once you've heard something, once you say something, it's already done with. You know. So um, that's the biggest uh, problem I see with a lot of people that deal with depression and stuff like that. They haven't learned. They haven't learned themselves yet. And that's a big part. Once you know yourself, mm -hmm. you can, uh, like, even when you're talking about happiness, it's a personal choice. Mm -hmm. It's your responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody can make you happy. They can encourage it. They can do things to stimulate it. But really, it's on you. So if you're not happy, you got to ask yourself, why am I not happy? You know, and, um, and if you can't make yourself happy, how can you put that responsibility on somebody else? Right, you right. You know, you yourself can't do it. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. But I ain't getting too deep on here tonight. We're we, we, we gonna, we gonna be some jokes. It's gonna be some jokes tonight. So, but we're gonna have some real conversation, though. So. Of course, of course. Some of my realest conversations have literally been with you, and you've been knowing me also since my two K comedy days. Me, yep. you, and Mama Malucci, man, we have been Jody, in some Jody spots. Summers. Jody, real old man, real old got Hollywood on us. You know what I'm saying? We ain't none of us. We've been with him, with him for the, since the beginning. Any one of y'all been on that show? You did? Yeah, real old. I'm no, talking I was, I was one of the shows that he did a show, um, I can't remember where. I think it was near TSU. No, no, no. I'm talking about the radio show oh, he's been nah, doing. Nah, Ain't none of us been on the radio show? None of us. I'm telling this is this is we talking to you, real old. I'm telling you now. Bump you, man. Bump you. I can't cuss, but bump you, dude. There. <laughs> I said it. I said it. I said it. But we've been down with him since the very, very beginning. He is the reason why I started comedy, why I am who I am. Uh, help to mold that person. Uh, people like Jody, you know, taught you who not to be. Um, <laughs> people like uh, what's my other what's my other guy? And I haven't heard from him in so long. Um, and he was he was doing his thing for a while too out here, and he got sick. He used to live, I believe. But it was so many people who helped shape my 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 stance and where I am today because I don't care anymore. I don't care. Like, I picked up this drink called Don't Give Up, and I ain't put it down since. So it makes my comedy that much more, like, in your face because you don't know what I might say because I don't care. What you going to do, man? And, and, and. What you going to be? You going to fight? Well, come on. What's up? So what you going to say something stupid? I'm going to say something stupid, too. What's up? What you going to do? I don't understand. You know, you got to stop lying to people. All that kind of stuff is, is tied into into who you who you become when you mature. And a lot of these, a lot of these gentlemen definitely helped me, helped me to become that, helped me to be a stronger comedian because they helped me to be in control of me at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? My first three years are nothing like the last three years at all of my career. And I'm talking about my first three years were the biggest. I was at, at the Catfish Festival. I'm in Vegas. I'm in New York. My first three years. And none of those sets were as good as the one I just did last night. Not one of them. That's you gross. Know what I'm saying? That's, that's shame. Well, we got to say... Good night to DK. Mm -hmm. He's got to head on now, but we're going to come back and, and talk mm -hmm. with Julius Fogel. So, everybody say. All right, DK. Uh, it was such an honor of being uh, the same radio with Julius Fogel. But, uh, look, Julius Fogel, one of my guys, we've been to Minnesota doing this comedy yeah. thing, man. We've been all over. I saw DK the first time I tried comedy. He was uh, mm -hmm. 
um, at the improv. Oh, the improv? You and Keenan Stewart. Yeah, Keenan Stewart. Uh, we're still going to do that Minnesota. When you're trying to work some things out, first of all, sometimes you got to find yourself to you see what your worth is before you step in. in, a, in, yeah. a, in a, you know what I mean? Definitely. And a good to meet you, man, for the first time. You definitely got, man, you funny. Yeah, you did funny, <laughs> girl. I was like, not ready. Yeah, I, I had to think about what it is. What's up with the white man? Why, why, why come in and, and the man? I don't know how to do it. Yeah, that was, man, it's yeah. real. It was it's a job. I got, I got to actually get back to work tonight. I work with the, I work with the, uh, the old folks. Oh, yeah, I gotta, man. I'm actually working 10 to 6. I'm supposed to work Ooh. 2 to 10 and 10 to 6. But just because of this, I took 2 to 10 up. I can be with y'all. Oh, yeah, so I got to go right there. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. Go get that medicine, baby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be up there a little bit. Let me be know be here. Careful. Be careful. Be safe. Absolutely. Thank, oh, you. Thank, Thank you so much. Coming. Coming. All right. All right, man. All right. I mean, you person for sure. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. All right. All right. All right. Are you heard that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, make sure you get a shirt and it's merchandise. Make sure you order online or... Whatever they do like to do to get the merch. But uh, y'all already heard him start talking. He already he already got cerebral on y'all real quick. And I remember his name, Michael Fuller. Um, he did Bad Boys as well, I believe. Yes. Um man, he was so lucky. I wish he would have just got more out there because he did not like that because he was so funny as well. But that's it, Michael Fuller. Um and you know, of course, Felicia, people like Felicia Chantel kept, kept us all in the mix and things like Cadillac kept us in the mix. Man, we'd have been through some holes in the wall, boy. I tell you, man, some holes in the wall, the whole world's walls. <laughs> man, you hear me? In the middle of nowhere. We never heard of this place before. And there wasn't a single grape anywhere. Like, we're. <laughs> But y'all know, like I said, we ain't got no audience in here, but we we can make a little whoop whoop for our boy Julius Fogo. Well, I'm going to start at, uh, first of all, uh, hope everybody is in good health, especially during this coronavirus pandemic. Uh, and things have been crazy since we've been during this uh, coronavirus pandemic. But first of all, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I was in the Army 20 years, you know, I retired in 2010. And I was a boxer, you know, also for about 20 years, as, you know, as an amateur professional. And, um, you know, people still ask me, so, well, you like you're in good shape. Why are you not boxing anymore? I'm like, this gray in my beard isn't a, isn't a clear indicator. You know, I mean, I'll be 50 years old in less than a year, you know. So, um, but the real reason is um, start getting my ass whipped. You know, that was, that, was, that was the reason enough right there. I mean, you start taking that. You know, I'm not used to being on other people's highlight reel, you know, so right. that was uh, probably the big reason why I started doing um, comedy. But um, one another reason I started, uh, I was dealing with depression, and um, one of the ways I dealt with it was writing, and um, started working on a book. It took about two years to publish, but even during the time that I was working on the book, that's when I started doing comedy. So, um, you know, and it's the way that uh, it's... It's helped me out dramatically, you know, just uh, mental health is something I'm real big on, um, you know, whether it's um, helping people out, just dealing with things that happened in the past. Um, sometimes they haven't admitted it, you know, to themselves. And until you real with yourself, you're not going to um, solve a lot of the issues that you're dealing with. You know, so, um, and it, I mean, during this corona, I mean, actually during this pandemic, I've actually done some traveling, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let it just stop my, my life, you know, I'm still going to live, have fun, you know, we're doing this thing right now, having fun, so, um, 
I went to New York early. Matter of fact, I was in New York this summer. And there's certain things I think that should be common sense. Mm. You know, like even before the coronavirus pandemic, you shouldn't have to tell anybody when you walk in the elevator to stand in the one of the imaginary four corners. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like if somebody's in the elevator, if somebody's in the elevator, you don't stand in the center of the elevator unless you're the only one in the elevator. Right. So I was in New York and I noticed that they have footprints for you to stand, to tell you where you where you're supposed to stand. I'm like, what motherfucker would walk in the excuse me. What person would walk in the elevator and stand if I'm in the elevator and stand in the center? And I thought about it. Donald Trump. Yeah. That sounds like, that sound like yeah. something he would do. You know? And I'll be on the elevator, and as soon as the door open, I'll probably be like, get your orange ass out this elevator. You know, because I spot him, I spot him, kick him off the elevator. You know, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's just um, trying to make light of things instead of dwelling on it. Um, there's certain things you control, certain things you can't control. But you know, your happiness is one of those things you control. So you got to learn how to, when you start seeing negative energy, you got to throw it off of you, you know, mm-hmm. and get away from it, because you know, because you will become part of that. You know, you will become if it's bullshit somebody's throwing at you, you will con- eventually be part of it. That's, that's some so. good advice. That's definitely mm-hmm. some good advice to to be aware of what you're surrounding yourself with yeah. and move. From the darkness or the negative energy, energy is to the light, yeah, yeah. And, and definitely be ready. And I think that what you were speaking about, sometimes people need to know when a season has changed. Sometimes yeah. people stay in a situation. Reluctant to change, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's good that you were able to say, okay, I had my season in the military, it's time to move on. I had my season as a boxer, it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing this comedy now, but I also want to incorporate writing. And yeah. I know that you also decided to go back to school. Yes, I'm at TSU right now pursuing my master's degree in psychology. And that's been a that's been a u- unique experience, you know. Um, you know, going around, being around a bunch of 20 year olds, you know, and. I'm gonna take some of this stuff these young ladies is wearing to school. I'm like, man, am I at the club or what? You know. <laughs> but um, it's kind of crazy. But I was thinking about somebody was telling me one time, um, would you go to your like they had like a homecoming? You know, there's a bunch. It was a lot of older people on campus, right? So I was thinking about it. Would I go to my 20 year reunion? And I thought about it for a second. I said, hell no. You know, just just think about it. In 20 years. Right now, I'm older than what some of these students are going to be, you know, in 20 years. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, when I decided to go back to college, I said, you know, I got to start taking care of myself, start getting back in shape. So I started working out and stuff, man, and I was kind of sore. So I put on some Icy Hot. So I'm in class, <laughs> and one of these, these young ladies was like, oh, Professor Brown, it smells in here. Somebody got on some big gay. She just kept going on and on and on about this shit. And it just got to me. I was like... <laughs> It's not been gay, it's icy hot, you know. So, oh, you know, and that's one reason why I wouldn't go back to my 20 year reunion because I could see myself at the 20 year reunion and that young lady walk up to me and like, Hey, Mr. Fogel, I didn't think you would still be here. <laughs> and, you know, when you get older, you don't get down what you say to people. I'd be like, You know what? I didn't like your ass back then, I still don't like your ass, <laughs> you know. So, um. You know, it's all about adapting. We're evolving. That's that's what life. You know, we're we're an animal just like a 
like mammals and primates. We are evolving as time goes on. We're figuring out easier way to get things done more efficiently. And, you know, we evolve in the same way. Some of, the, some of those old ways of thinking, we have to actually change also. You know, the same thing that worked in 1920 ain't gonna work in 2020. Mm -hmm. So um, it's all about evolving. And that's the, the, the first step in changing and evolving is, is understanding self and making change with self. That sounds great. What, what do you think is the power of comedy? And, and do you think that comedy itself can help people to evolve? Uh, yes, I think one of the biggest things about being a comedian is you have to be able to laugh at yourself. Mm. See, if you can't laugh at yourself, you're gonna, um, you're not gonna be as effective because when you when you go, a lot of times people that go to comedy shows, they're looking for relief. You know, life would kick you in the ass. You know, sometimes you just need that relief, and um, you're you're basically an actor mm. when you're a comedian. Mm -hmm. You're painting that picture to the audience and. People can always can always look at somebody else at their problem or something that was painful to them and laugh at it, but they can't see themselves in it. So that's mm -hmm. the difference between a comedian. They're able to extract things from their life and put a spin on it and make it funny and embellish it and make people laugh. And you know, that's that's where it also helps the person going through it also. Mm -hmm. You know, when you can talk about it now. And a lot of times people run from things and don't talk about things because it's painful. But when you can, like somebody, I told just somebody one time, I said, you're not really over anything until you can laugh about it. Wow, that's powerful. You know, there was a, a educator and she said that books are mirrors and doors. Mm -hmm. I think the same thing with poetry and comedy. They're mirrors and doors. The mirror is sometimes you turn it on yourself first and then you turn it on the audience. Yeah. So they can see themselves and you're giving them a clear picture of what they really look like. You know, and I think that's why comedy is so powerful when it comes to like talking about society, because sometimes we get caught up in the, all of the riffraff and the hype and, and all of the, as you said, embellishment, mm -hmm. you know, there's all this, uh, glitz and glamor and we forget, you know, that they just put lipstick on a pig. Right. And comedy actually shows you, here's the pig. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's not worry about the lipstick. Uh, and it really turns that mirror around to society and says, look at yourself. Right. Look at yourself. Look at what you're doing. Is this really what you want to do? And and as you're laughing, you know, I, I, I think it was Chris Rogers says, you make them laugh and then they think about it later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when they think about it, they're like, man, oh. Okay, <laughs> and it might it might it might cut a little bit later, but um, you know. So I think that comedy, music, poetry, all of them, they are that mirror, but they're also a door, you know. Because when you open a door, there's something on the other side, mm -hmm. and so comedy shows you like here, open this door, you can walk through it, or you can choose to stay where you are. But there is some on the other side, you know. Yeah. Let's let's move on. Let's move forward. Let's move higher. Let's step out this room and go on out and explore a little bit, you know. Yeah. And and so I think that's one of the powers of comedy. Is there anything else you wanted to say to the audience to motivate them before uh, we kind of wrap up? Just um, you know, if you have a vision, make it happen. You know, it's it's. Um, I also okay. I wrote a book about three years ago uh, called The Last Round, and. Um, you know, a part, a big part of it is just believing in yourself, mm -hmm. you know, 
um, you know, blocking negative energy, you know, because that's, that's one thing where you have doubt. And one of the things I also learned is that a lot of people that's dealing with a lot of pain and hurt and depression uh, have resentment. Mm. I wish I would have done this, if I'd have done this differently, if I could have done it all over again, I would do it this way. And that doesn't do any, that doesn't do us any good. Because mm. um, when I look at you, I look at Kay, I look at James, I don't see no mistake in any of y'all. So mm. uh, everything that's happened to you in your lifetime was necessary for you to be who you are right now. Mm. So when you look at things like that, it's just, don't look at things as mistakes, look at them as experiences. And you know you have a lot more better. Um, you have a much more positive attitude when you look at things that way. That sounds amazing. That sounds awesome. So I wanted to ask each of you where people can find you if they want to follow you, they want to tune into what you have coming up. You know, so how can they find you, Mr. Fogel? I am on Facebook and Instagram, Julius Fogel, J U L I U S F O G L E. Uh, my book. The last round is on Amazon, so if you just put my name in there, uh, it'll be easier to come up with my name in it if you put the last round, because there's a few books with the same name. Yeah. And for me, the best way to follow me is uh, on Instagram, uh, at Space Rhyme. It's the name of the organization I'm a part of. And so, uh, yeah, I do lives on there every so often, post a lot of videos and stuff, so yeah, it's the best place to follow me for sure. And Facebook? Space Rhyme. Spell it. Uh, S P A C E R H Y M E. Okay, I think I can. And you, Lady K, how can they find you? You know, I ain't on that social media. I don't be only on that social media. Okay. Y'all can find me on Facebook, K Jones Hart, K A Y E, because I'm extra, Jones, H A R T S, until I make my new page. Or you can follow me on Instagram. That's the best place. Uh, lady underscore K A Y E 89. It's the best year that shot Reagan. Great. It's fantastic. Watergate. Uh, yeah. Best great year. <laughs> you know, the dude who shot Reagan, he went to, he went to my college. Um, mm. yeah, no yeah, I was like, man, that's where Raiders. We can't even kill the president by man. We can't oh, even, we can't even get that. <laughs> We're losing these football games. The students are plugging. <laughs> we can't even get a shot off of the Man, I'm telling you, people don't care. People don't care. And I'm, I'm really, really shocked that this four years have went by and no one shot at him. No one? I said, really? No one? Not one drive by? Come on. Come on. You know, Come he hides on, you know, America. You know, you know, he hides, you know he hides in that bunker a lot, don't you? Oh, man, you know he do. He be down below. Whatever he, uh, whenever he did his little speech in front of the White House, I was like, man, you should have done it in the bunker, man. Right, right. That's what I always think when I look at him. You know, Come see you live from safety. Yeah, he loves that bunker. Come yeah. see you live from safety. So like, you know, <laughs> did you bring up one here real quick? One thing that's kind of wild, people, people don't know this, is that um, there was a night during Nixon's presidency, and he wasn't drunk, or people don't know if he was drunk or on drugs or something, but in the middle of the night, he just, he and his valet and the Secret Service, they walked over to the Capitol building, and he went and sat in his old desk, and he told his uh, little assistant to, uh, he told his little assistant to, to go up there and make a speech, and he like went up there and did the Pledge of Allegiance, and then they went to the Lincoln Memorial, and there were a bunch of Vietnam protesters, and they saw that the president was there, and they went over to talk to him, and he starts talking to them about their, uh, about their football team. Like, oh, he goes, like, oh, where are you? He goes, oh, you go to Syracuse because they have a great football team and all this. And, you know, the, the protesters are like, we don't want to talk about football. We want to talk about, you know, the Vietnam War. Right. And the thing about it is, you know, the difference between Nixon and, and Donald Trump have a lot of comparisons, you know, the dishonesty, the uh, shady campaign practices, 
of believing that if the president does something, it means it's not illegal. But right. at least whenever the protesters come, you know, Donald Trump went and hit in the bunker and Richard Nixon walked up and started rambling incoherently about college right. football. Right. At least go up to the protesters and tell about their football and right. talk about their football team. That's what they shoot us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they shoot us. And that was a great that was scary. That was really scary, uh, protesting. It was it was it was terrifying because it wasn't like the president was going um, amnesty for, for the protesters. Police, back up. No, he said, get them. Shoot them. Push them down. Get the water hoses. Find the dogs. Get those sorry sons of the... We were like, wait a minute. We just want justice. Hold on. Stop. Whoa, 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 whoa. President. President. Raise his hand. Excuse me. Are you talking about me? I didn't hurt nobody. I didn't burn nothing. I didn't, I didn't spray paint nothing. I was just asking for justice. Excuse me. Sir. Is that side of me? I just want to know. Are you talking about the, them over there? Them, them, yeah, all them. That whole group, they was over there doing that. You can shoot them, shoot yeah, them, them over there, yeah, hit them upside the head with a billy stick. I wasn't doing that, sir. I was just standing here saying, please, can we have some justice? Just up, just up. You were there? You were at the Washington, D.C.? What? No. I have been on the front line of uh, the protest since April 22nd. Uh, really, since before that, but it really That's got awesome. personal. Uh, April 22nd, uh, right here in Houston, Texas, um, a friend of mine, self, and Felicia Chantel was shot and killed by an undercover um, uh, and a Gulf host. Task, go past police officer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And apparently this guy has done this before. He has a terrible record of brutality, not just uh, against uh, minorities other than black. Um, and they tried to hide his name. They were hiding his face. They didn't want to give us any information. And we literally had to get a congressman to fly down there. He's been flying back and forth uh, between here and, and, and uh, Washington, D.C. We worked hand in hand with uh, with Kim Oggs and, and Ed Gonzalez trying to get uh, justice for the situation. And you would not That's believe awesome. The, the walls we keep hitting. Sure. And they know yeah. they're wrong. They sure. killed the yeah. wrong guy. Yeah. And then, instead of rendering aid, we have video that he left the scene and came back with someone else to verify his story. Um, all the evidence that we recorded. We, we had to do our own investigation. They didn't yes. even do an investigation. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't. Do all stuff. It was crazy. And they started messing with our Facebook pages. They started... Ooh. Um, um, the other guy, uh, Mr. James Huston, he was on live, and we were trying to watch the press conference, and it kept like flickering on and off, and it was just all kind of crazy stuff. It kept going yeah. dark, and and I'm like, man, they watching, they watching. You might not believe that a small, a small step toward uh forward is is uh is is noticed, but at the end of the day, what taught me that even little bitty me is looked at like an ant. If you ever watch a uh, a Buzz Life, they were showing you. First of all, one ant can make can, if if this one ant influences the rest of these freaking ants oh, to yeah. kick our butts. Guess what? We don't get food anymore. So if one person can have the power to affect change, and I mean greatly affect change, whether you right here in this room or you the president of the United States or the president of Korea or the president in Japan or wherever you are. If you are one person and you have the power to affect change, I think that's why, another reason why I stayed in comedy because I realized that some of my jokes that even if I if I turned it had the power to affect change. Even if it's about even if it's about giving head or something, I really like someone has literally walked up and told me, "Yo, I think you might have saved my marriage because I don't like the idea of bowing on my knees to give my man whatever." So I make a joke about standing on the bed. Stand up there. Hey, stand up there on the bed. I can't see you up there. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, I've always wanted to date a midget so I could experience someone getting no. nasty in the morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 o
Well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. I mean, you know, the thing about live is is it just goes where it goes. But the thing about comedy and poetry and music is it gives you that motivation. It does to improve your life. And we we wanted to get together to talk about the power of a sense of humor, to talk about the power of laughter, to talk about just the power of of a positive attitude because. While we are here dealing with whatever we're dealing with, we still have so much control over our thinking, over the environment that we put ourselves in, over the things that we expose ourselves to. And that's really what Zenergy is all about. Small changes, big results. So you do have my link tree there, Zenashe Poetry. You can find me. I'm Zenashe on Facebook at Z-E-N-A-S-E or Zenashe Poetry. You can also find Zenergy. It's spelled Z-E-N-N-U-R-G-Y. The urge for more zen, the urge for positive change in your life. And we want to thank you for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed the laughs. You enjoyed yeah. the thoughtfulness. You know, we had Julius Fogel here. We had James hey, hey. Trotter, DK Abinobi had to leave, but we got Kay Jones Hearts, Lady K, and I am Zen Ashe. And may you walk in Zenergy. Thank you. Peace. Peace. Give the gift of lift. Lift people up. Lift people up so when they look at your your shirt, they look at your mug, they get an inspiring message. They're lifted. <laughs>